welcome to Unanonymous Podcast. I'm Bailey. And this is Yemi. And today we're going to talk about your first trauma or tragedy sober. Yeah, surviving your first crisis. Yes. Um, so, Bailey, what does that look like for you? Well, or what has that looked like for you? More yeah, so? I feel like, so, I had a loss in my family when I had been sober for, like, six months or so. My grandma had passed away. And, like, it was really hard because I feel like, I don't know, I, yeah, I don't know. Everyone around me was drinking to cope with it, and I wasn't. And then I just was like, well, how am I supposed to deal with my grief? You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, and I think that that's a really great point in terms of how to deal with grief and how to deal with, you know, life on life's terms mm-hmm. for a general sense of, um, not a general sense, but just like a figure of speech when you get sober because uh you 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 sober you find sobriety whatever that looks like for you right uh definitely operating from a harm reduction model but you you find sobriety and, and the variety that looks best for you and then all the shit that you used to use alcohol or um whatever to cope with mm-hmm. um then you don't have that coping mechanism anymore and so uh, you know, what does it look like then to to be sober and to have crises in life? And I think death is definitely one. Um, mm-hmm. And what did you find that, what did, were you sober at the time? Yeah. Oh, okay. And so, and I had, I was newly sober. Oh shit. And it was interesting because like, I just kept being like, why I don't know every time now I watch a show or mm-hmm. like I see like some sort of pop culture there's a big crisis and the first thing especially women do mm-hmm. is go to the wine glass mm-hmm. like in a movie or a show everyone's like oh I'm sad there's a breakup I'm sad because of mm-hmm. whatever I lost my job I did this I did that the first thing they do is go and pour always like a huge glass mm-hmm. of Pinot Grigio yeah and I like internalize that message that like that was the way to deal with a crisis mm-hmm. and I think you know as someone who has experienced quite a bit of loss, um, reflecting back on my first uh, crisis, um, and I, you know, I think my first crisis wasn't even something. Looking back now, I'm like, oh, it wasn't that intense, but like, it was a breakup, and like, um, you know, usually it was, you know, usually whenever you break up or folks break up, mm-hmm. um, kind of like when you experience a hard day or death or anything, you reach for something to to subdue the pain. And so I was just like, shit, like I broke up with this person and like I'm feeling really shitty. And I guess I'm going to have to feel all these feelings, right? And like Mm -hmm. it was really, really difficult. And at that time, I think I must have been probably like two or three months. I had stopped drinking. Mm. Um, And so having to then sit and be with those feelings and knowing that my old coping strategies were not necessarily a go-to, I then had to find new ones, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I had always been someone that was an avid gym goer, um, always someone who kind of used work to, um, to guise whatever pain I was going through. And so 
that's what I did. I went to the gym and I worked a lot. Hmm. Um, and in the intermediate, when I needed to feel my feelings around the breakup, I would cry and call a friend. And I think that for me, it wasn't about becoming that super grounded spiritual person. It was just about finding alternative ways of being and existing, knowing that I um, was going through some real shit. And like, I don't know, I think it's really important that in finding different coping strategies, it's not about the perfect, you know, for yourself or for someone you know, it's not about being the perfect. I know friends of mine who have been in in AA often talk about how they replace alcohol with sugar, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, listen, I know sugar is a drug too, and it can be for some folks. And so recognizing that that may not be a safe alternative, but for some folks, that's what they needed to do Mm -hmm. just to avoid a drink. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. It makes me think, do you watch Grey's Anatomy? Oh my gosh, are you going to talk about, what's his name? (laughs) The black dude? Uh, that wasn't who I was going to talk about. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> Alex? I don't know. I don't watch TV. Go on. Okay. So, in Grey's Anatomy, Mer- Miranda, is her name Miranda? Meredith. Mer- Meredith Grey, you know, okay. the main character. Yep. She always self-remedies with tequila. And it's really, like, mm. I feel like, and I love Grey's Anatomy, I've watched every episode. Aren't there, like, 27 seasons? Yeah, yes, I went down a rabbit hole okay. for a while. Um... Anyway, but the point is, like, instead of seeing her do something that makes her stronger, like going mm-hmm. to the gym, like physically stronger even, mm-hmm. she always just, like, self-medicates with tequila and gets, like, super blackout drunk. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, so many storylines about her either coping this way and then, like, dealing with the ramifications of it, like, or, like, having sex while blackout drunk. And again, like, I think sex while you're drunk happens I know it happens it's not mm-hmm. it's not for me to define that as assault or whatever but like yeah. there are some problematic storylines to that and I wondered just like about how sort of pop culture normalizes would, it yeah normalizes it and would wa- rather that women especially make themselves weaker and more vulnerable mm-hmm. instead of getting stronger like what if Meredith Grey instead she's a doctor like could she not just go and do a yoga class? You know. I mean, <laughs> yes, she probably could. I know that. Like, it's so funny because I'm a yoga teacher, and I think a lot of people are always like, "I can't sit still. I can't be zen." And it's like, yeah, go do a yoga class. Do something. Or if you don't know, figure out what you like. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know that can be very scary, um, especially if you're doing it for the first time. And you know what that also makes me think of is that episode. So I walked in. Oh, Lord. I walked in on my partner watching an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Who's the black dude that's a doctor? He's like the senior doctor. Um, um, Alec. I, no, I can't think of his name. It's not. I know who you mean, though. I'll he's like Meredith's stepfather. Yeah, yeah, Okay, if you know, let us know what his name is. Yeah, we can't think of his name. I completely, I'm forgetting it. It'll come But he, his sponsor... Um, was dying. I don't know if you saw that episode. No, I haven't seen that Uh, episode. Okay, well, spoiler alert. (laughs) His sponsor was dying of some sort of disease or whatever. Um, You know how Grey's Anatomy pulls on your heartstrings? So anyways, I walk in my partner and walk in on my partner watching this and so of course I pause because like he's talking about how you know he um this is the person that helped him get sober and now he um 
you know, what is he going to do without her? Because she's, like, dying, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it brought up two things, because, like, you know, Grey's Anatomy, I can't. But (laughs) it brought up two things, because it was, like, what happens when our loved ones pass, as Bailey started off talking Uh about, like, the first time that you had to deal with something, um, deal with sobriety and, and crisis, was when somebody passed. But then also, like, what happens when that person was so, like, it was so catalytic in or was such an important part Mm -hmm. of you getting sober and so there's a scene where he's sitting there and he's like you know contemplating i think drinking again or talking about his sobriety in some way and then they just like have an aa meeting in the room right and like i was like oh yeah like it was just it was such a moment of like just a reminder of the fact that like regardless of what you go through in life like there's always a solution in terms of like choosing to to find an alternative way of doing and just also Mm -hmm. knowing that you're never alone and like just like the journeys that we go through and like the crises that we you know um come up and how there's always people there to support us no matter what right and even in death like he was just like they were just talking about um and don't quote me on this because like I was in my feelings watching it so I just <laughs> I just started bawling and my partner was like no I'm gonna turn it off and I was like no I want to watch this um but yeah there was just like the part where he just talks about like even her death like how he will still you know carry everything that she she taught him right mm-hmm. and I think that was so yeah it was just so incredibly awesome and I mean, Grey's Anatomy does have a lot of conflict of interest because there's no reason why, you know, um, yeah, they just don't have really great conflicts of interest policies. But anyway, I'm digressing. Totally. Um, Yeah, it's just a really awesome episode about what happens when you pass. And he he then had to rely on, you know, as per usual, um, the other doctors to be able to support him around his journey. But it was just, yeah, it was pretty, I went on a rant. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, it just made me think of Grey's Anatomy in that episode. Totally. Well, I think that's really interesting because, like you said, so it's a bit like, you know, when I first got sober, and I feel like this might be a sobriety term, like the pink cloud, like where those first like 30, 60-ish days. Oh yeah. You're, you're feeling, rolling on fucking you're sunshine. so good. Yeah. You feel so good. Yeah. And you're just like, I'm going to be a vegan and like cut all sugar out of my life and stop smoking. Like I, I used to work at a, at a home for women who mm-hmm. were in addictions. And the, one of the first things I always wanted to do, like, you know, 10 days into sobriety was then quit smoking. And we would always be like, hold on. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. just, you don't necessarily need to add that to the, yeah. you know? 100%. And so it's like, like you said, like if it's like a harm reduction baby steps thing. So if yeah. replacing alcohol, which you know is damaging to you, with sugar and you go home and you eat a hundred jujubes instead, you know, no, nobody should maybe eat a hundred jujubes every single day for the rest of their lives. Or maybe you could, I mean, maybe. Um, but if that is what prevents you from having that drink, Mm -hmm. that's fine. Right. And then like later on down the road, maybe you look at that vice again and re-examine it and do something else again. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, like just baby steps and recognizing what's going to be the most harmful for you in that moment is drinking or, or that drug that whatever is difficult for you and then replacing it with just something else that is still delicious and wonderful and pleasurable. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think what's also important to note is that like, let's say you have been sober for quite some time and then experience a real life crisis. Like I remember 
um, I knew um, there was a situation where, you know, I had said to myself, like, I will never get, um, I will, if this happens, if X happens, I will pick up another drink, right? Um, and then X happened, right? And I mm-hmm. didn't, I didn't actually resort to alcohol, but I think, you know, um, having a couple years of not drinking, um, or using a harm reduction model, well, I haven't drank, but, like, mm-hmm. if you're someone who's using a harm reduction model around drinking, because I know that some people still drink, but just, you know, monitor the way that they, they drink, um, you know, that shit will happen, things will come up, and you may have already, uh, set up, um, ways that you cope, right? Like, for me, I was someone who did a lot of yoga, went to the gym, um, you know, and, and really allowed myself to sit in stillness. And then I had about four deaths back to back and my mom got sick. And so this past couple, this past, uh, I'd say from like May to like, I don't know, what is it? August. Um, and I was like, holy shit, I've never been here. And I was a wreck. And I was like, I don't know. I never necessarily thought about picking up a drink again but I was in fucking crisis mode like my Mm -hmm. world was shattering and coming down and like every day I would just find myself bawling and crying and thinking like I actually don't know how to get through this like and I don't want to feel like this and I think that when you're trying to survive your new crisis it's like not wanting to feel the way that you're feeling and wanting to numb that so I definitely had moments where I was like how the fuck can I numb this shit because like all of these deaths and like my mom being sick and like you know transitions in my life happening like I do not want to feel and I would have a lot of anxiety and Mm -hmm. like you know I was just really upset all the time and crying and I think that what it came down to was like allowing myself to feel the feelings and my therapist said this to me and I was like bitch what and she's like you have your coping strategies in place continue to do those but allow yourself to be taken care of by those that are close to you and allow yourself to sit with your feelings of sadness of grief of whatever you're going through at any given time in terms of your crisis feel those feelings Hmm. And so it really shifted away from, you know, going and grabbing the bag of jujubes or just doing a yoga class because I would do those things and I still didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. It was literally doing what most people would not want to do and why I drank before was to numb the feelings around what was going on. And so I had to sit with the feelings and there were days that I would just be in bed and think about stuff and feel those feelings and knowing that you know, it wasn't temporary. And yes, this was a season. Um, but that's actually what I needed to do to get through was to not bottle up things. And so I journaled a lot. Hmm. Um, I I cried a lot. I went for, uh, we call them tree baths. So I'd go and, and walk in nature. And you know what? I relied on those around me. And if you don't have people around you, there's, you know, there's many other ways, you know, there's online groups on Facebook, um, there's, there's so many Instagram pages. There's so many other places that if you don't have a said community in your space that you can find, um, you know, other communities, um, especially virtually that are going through, um, going through some shit when you're going through some shit to rely on. And so, yeah, that's what I had to do to survive that time. And I mean, I'm still surviving it and I'm still going through, like, I'm still in, I feel like I'm still in crisis mode. I'm hoping that like, crisis mode will pass I just you know but um 
-hmm. yeah that those are some things that I found even having a couple of years under my belt of, of being someone who's chosen to live a sober life um was like fuck okay I know what to do I know my coping skills but what is the one thing that's actually gonna get through get me through this and it was feel your feelings I think that's, like, really yeah. good advice and super hard because that's the last thing. Like, I am not a talker <laughs> of feelings. I am not a reacher outer when I'm upset. I would rather be by myself and just, like, totally zone out. Mm-hmm. And same thing. That's why I used to drink, like, mm-hmm. you know, a bottle of wine by myself. Mm-hmm. When I was, like, feeling annoyed or shitty or angry, that was, like, perfect for me. So... I yep. think that's really good advice that you do. Sometimes you just got to feel those mm-hmm. fucking feelings. And yep. it sucks. Yep. <laughs> but yep. um, I think that also brings up good advice for people who are listening who are maybe wanting to be allies to sober people is that it's yeah. so easy when your friend is upset to be like, let me bring over that bottle of wine or let me bring over the bottle of tequila or let's go out and get wasted. Like that's so often a person's like, our first offer when there's a breakup is to be like, let's go and get wasted. You yeah. Know? Like, let's or go like on a revenge wine, dinner. chicken. And if you're, you know, a little more seasoned, you're like wine, chicken wings, or like cauliflower wings, depending, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a movie. Let's just, yeah. Yeah. And so now instead of, you gave so many great suggestions, instead of wine, say, do you want to go on a hike? Mm-hmm. You know, hey, can I come over with you? And I've got this really great beautiful herbal tea that let's bake a cake yeah let's go bake a cake together you know there's so many other things that we can do to support our friends who are going through rough times instead Mm. of just making sure that they have a hangover for the next day and a half you know because the problem doesn't go away no right and like yes this is like the like mental health person in me coming out but like the reality is the problem doesn't go away and i know that it's hard like life is hard Mm -hmm. period yeah it is so fucking hard to to live because it means that just as much as we'll experience great things, we're going to experience really shitty things. And yeah, I think the best, you know what? You will figure out what works best for you. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You will figure out what works best for you. And I guess we're just trying to put out suggestions and, and feelers of based on what we've experienced and what we've heard. Yeah, and ways to not, like, double down on the problem. Because for me, with drinking, mm-hmm. I would be upset about a problem. But then when I went out and got wasted, all the shame from that and, yeah. like, falling down in the street and oh, mouthing no. off of people, all that then doubled down. <laughs> so I was already upset about one thing. Now I had the shame of the night before to deal with on yeah. top of, you know, and so I think... Yeah, I think you're right. I think everyone finds what does work for them. And if you're yeah. not, like, if you're not an exercise person, like, I'm not. <laughs> sounds like. I thought you play softball. I do. Okay. Casually. Uh, and actually, you know what? I had more fun than I thought I would. Yeah, but, yeah. like, I would never, like, if I was upset, I wouldn't turn to softball. Yeah. I would, I would be more likely to eat a whole bunch of chocolates. But, I mean. That's real. Yeah. So, you know, like you said. And then, you know, we just do things that are good. So now, though, now I'll burn an incense while I eat those chocolates. Don't kill me. <laughs> I'm like, worse come to worse, like we said. There's so many amazing um, virtual spaces that even if it's like you not interacting with people, just reading yes. other people's yes. experiences. That's so true. YouTube, um, YouTube and Instagram, I find, have some really great um uh youtubers as well as uh instagrammers influencers yeah around sobriety and that totally. just like put shit out there that you know 
can be a lifeline. So absolutely. All right. Well, thanks. Yeah, I think that was great. And um, <laughs> get at us with your coping strategies. Yeah, definitely, definitely want to hear what you do to cope. And knowing that it's, I know it's a cliche saying, but it's not about perfection. It's you know about progress. And so, um, yeah, I think that's it for today. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unanonymous Podcast. You can send us an email at unanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at unanonymousp, on Instagram at unanonymous underscore project. And our intro music is by acceleratedideas.com and it's called Fade Away. Fade Away.